Paleo Runner podcast is devoted to finding better ways to live, run, train, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. You can find more information by going to paleorunner.org. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a review. Search for Paleo Runner in iTunes and click ratings and reviews. You can also follow me on facebook.com slash runpaleo or on Twitter at runpaleo. I wanted to take a minute to let you know about a product I've been using called 3Fuel. 3Fuel is a sports drink that gives you fat, protein, and carbohydrates to use as a fuel source. Unlike sugary sports drinks, 3Fuel gets absorbed slowly into your bloodstream to give you sustained energy throughout your workout. If you'd like to give it a try, you can get 10% off by using the coupon code 3FOLSON. Go to paleorunner.org and click 3Fuel at the top of the page. If you're listening through the podcast app on iPhone, click the link displayed on the app right now. My guest today is Jason Fitzgerald. Jason Fitzgerald is a 239 marathoner, a USTAF certified coach, and author of 101 Simple Ways to Be a Better Runner. He runs the website strengthrunning.com. Jason, thanks so much for being part of the show. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, it's great to have you on here. You know, I you have a lot of great tips on your website, Strength Running, and um, one of the one of the big things on there I found was that you're really into helping runners prevent injuries. Can you talk a little bit about what strength running is and why you talk so much about how to prevent injuries? Yeah, I think strength, um, you know, injury prevention really is, is is one of the should be a top goal for every single runner. You know, it should be a top priority uh, for anyone who's running, you know, more than, say, maybe two or three days a week. Um, you know, anyone who has a time goal in a particular race, anyone who's um, trying to run longer races like the half marathon or the marathon, injury prevention is going to often be the difference between um, not reaching your goals and reaching your goals. Because if you stay healthy and, you know, you're never laid out with consistent injuries and, you know, those chronic aches and pains that derail so many runners, your training is just going to be so much more consistent. And I like to call consistency the secret sauce of training. You know, that's really the magic pill, the magic bullet that, um, you know, helps runners really accomplish, um, you know, performance levels that, you know, are, are, are true to their potential. So, you know, if a runner can structure their training in a certain way, if a runner can do the necessary strength work and flexibility work that helps them stay injury free. Um, you know, then they're going to be able to run a little bit more. They're going to be able to recover, do faster workouts. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's the difference between, um, you know, a PR and kind of staying at the same performance level that you've been at, you know, for, for you know, years and years. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, when I say performance and, and all those, you know, chasing PRs, a lot of runners get hung up on the fact that that might be the territory of only fast runners and, and you know, runners who are at a much more competitive level. But, you know, even beginner runners set time goals for themselves, whether that's break 30 minutes in the 5K or to break five hours in the marathon. You know, at a certain point, whenever you start chasing a time goal, then you're chasing a certain performance level. And if you're doing that, then you're not really just running anymore. You're really training. And when you're training, you need to structure your, your whole program totally differently. You know, you need to take what competitive runners are doing and then scale it to a lot that you can do. Um, and part of that is uh, injury prevention efforts. So it's absolutely critical to the to the training puzzle. Uh, and I consider it just as important as the running itself. You know, the, the workouts are important, the long runs are important, but what you do on a day-to-day basis to stay healthy is just as important as well. Yeah, you know, that's something that I found really important for myself as far as um, for years, I, I would struggle with injuries where I would train for a month or two or, or sometimes three months, but then I would eventually get another injury. And I could never really progress the way I wanted to until I found out a way to train 
brain that allowed me to not get injured because you're, you're never going to really achieve your potential, I don't think, if you're constantly getting setbacks. Are there any major running injuries that you've had to deal with that have set you back? Oh, yes. I've had pretty much them all. Um, you know, my college career and then for about um, two and a half years after I graduated college, I experienced Achilles tendinopathy, IT band syndrome. My sacroiliac joint was chronically misaligned. Um, I had plantar fasciitis, uh, you know, a lot of other uh, arch strains, calf strains. Um, I've been lucky that I've never had a knee injury uh, besides ITBS, which, you know, the pain presents at the knee in most cases. But, you know, I've never had patellofemoral pain syndrome or runner's knee. Um, so I've been lucky in that regard. But pretty much everything else I've had the pleasure of having, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> you know, um, you, mentioned- yeah, you know, I've found. Oh, I'm go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, I found that as soon as I was able to string together um, a few months of consistent training, that's when my race times really started to come down. And and, you know, if there are any listeners um, right now that can't seem to go more than, you know, two months or so without something um, coming up that significantly impacts their training, then, you know, that that should be your number one goal. Your number one goal really needs to address all of the, the little injuries and the big injuries, too, that that are taking you out of training. Because as soon as you can put together five, six or more months of consistent training, then you're going to really surprise yourself at what you're able to accomplish. I did this my senior year in, in college where all all of my PRs dropped when I was able to, to run consistently and, and healthfully for about eight months before, you know, a little injury came up. Um, and, you know, the last, I don't even know how long it's been. I think uh, since since early 2009, um, you know, I haven't had a, a, a significant injury since then. Oh, wow. And, you know, I was able to uh, recover from a really bad case of IT band syndrome that I, I got after the 2008 New York City Marathon, uh, where I ran 244. And since then, you know, I've improved my marathon time down to 239, taking over five minutes off that first marathon time. And, um, you know, I've I've just had this amazingly consistent string of training since then. I've set annual mileage records um, twice now, and I'm, I'm on track to do it again in 2013. Um, so, you know, in addition to the PRs, which are always nice, you know, I think it's always just great to say how liberating it is to be able to go up a run and, and really enjoy that run and not be constantly sidelined by pain or injuries. Mm-hmm. And what do you attribute to the success of this long string of uh, time period where you haven't been um, a big part of that has been the inclusion of strength work in my in my tr- personal training. Um, you know, and I have a, a bunch of routines that I've shared on um, my website, Strength Running, that I do very regularly. You know, I do these every single week. Um, but you know, in addition to the uh, the strength work, which is important, I do a dynamic warm up before every single run. I think this is really important to to actually warming up the body. A lot of runners just do some static stretching before, you know, they go running. And uh, it's been shown static stretching does absolutely nothing to prevent injuries when you do it before your run. And it can actually make you slightly more uh, susceptible to injuries when you do it before you run. And it doesn't do what a warm-up is supposed to do, which is actually to literally warm you up. So it does not increase your heart rate or your blood flow to your legs and extremities, which, you know, that's the number one goal of, of a good warm-up. So, you know, those two things have been really instrumental in keeping me healthy and injury free, but also I've made some changes to how I train. You know, I'm a lot more in tune with my body. I don't um, 
stick to my training schedule as as uh, rigidly as I used to. I listen to my body a little bit more. And, you know, if I feel some soreness or a little bit of uh, pain, then I back off immediately. And, you know, in 99% of cases, I'm back to training at a normal level within like two days. And so, you know, that's not a real injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, that's just part of being a runner. You're always going to be feeling, you know, you're always going to feel something, which is some great advice I got from one of my high school coaches. Okay. So you're a 239 marathoner. What kind of pace is that for people listening? Uh, to, uh, my marathon pace is 605 per mile. Okay. So that's that's an extremely uh, fast marathon. Did, had you experienced success in running before you moved to the marathon? Uh, yeah, I guess you could say I've experienced a, a relative level of success. Um, you know, I started running when I was in high school and, uh, you know, I was a, I was a middle of the pack junior varsity runner during cross country my freshman year. And, um, you know, I, I think my personal example is a really good case study of what you could accomplish very long time period when you're super consistent with with running and training. Um, You know, I ended up sticking with cross country, indoor track and outdoor track for four years of high school and then four years of um, college. And, you know, I was racing pretty much every weekend. And, you know, I've had the, you know, the I've been lucky in that I've had over 10 coaches during my career. So I've really learned a lot. And, um, you know, I, I didn't really start being on, you know, the varsity squad until maybe the my sophomore year in high school. And then, uh, you know, my times just gradually kept kept coming down. You know, there's certainly no, uh, there are no overnight successes in distance running. You know, it's just a, a gradual um, progression. Like you mentioned earlier, uh, progression is really the key here. And I progressed in, in pretty much everything. You know, I started running the mile and the two mile and even the 800 in high school. Uh, cross country was about five kilometers. And then you get to college and you start doing some longer stuff. Um, you know, cross country was 8K and I started started focusing on the 3k and the 5k and track um and then after college uh you know a lot of runners just kind of stop after they graduate and I was I was just enjoying it so much that I kept going and I haven't really looked back. You know, I uh, debuted at the 10K the year after I graduated college and then I ran a 10 miler and a half marathon and a year later I was uh, signed up for a marathon. So you know, it's really a progression over over 15 years of of running. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about what your training is like. You said that as you've gotten uh, older and trained more, you've taken a different approach or, and where you listen to your body more. What does that look like for you on a on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis? Well, you know, the a couple of the big things is really, you know, I do a dynamic warm-up before all my runs. I do strength work. Every day that I run, I do some level of strength work. Um, you know, that could be just 10 minutes of some e- relatively easy body weight stuff. Or, you know, recently I've been going into the gym and doing some more advanced stuff that, um, you know, admittedly I don't really enjoy. I don't like the gym. I don't like to lift weights, but I know how beneficial it is for runners. So, um, you know, I, I stick with it. Um, but in addition to that, you know, the actual training structure is really important too. Um, and uh, in my training and also in the training of uh, the runners that I coach, one of the things that I started implementing was what I call an adaptation week. And this is simply a, a week of training that's repeated. So, you know, a lot of runners will either increase the intensity of their workouts or increase the weekly mileage or the distance of their long runs every week, or they'll be increasing one or two of those every single week. And what I really like to do is, um, you know, take your training for a 
week, get through it, and then do the same exact thing next week. This allows your body to adapt to that training stress. It allows you to really absorb the training. And then once you've been doing it for two weeks, then you can increase one or more of those variables. So it's, it's a little bit more of a gradual approach. Um, and, and I think what's really important, too, is that I don't have any wild swings in either volume or intensity like I used to in my training. Um, and that certainly wasn't any fault of any of the coaches I had. It was more because, you know, as a rebellious young kid, I didn't really listen to what they were trying to tell me. So, you know, a lot of times I would run way too fast or I would try to do more um, or in a lot of cases I would do less. And, you know, I think maintaining a, a good volume or a good weekly mileage and, you know, not changing the intensity of your workouts too drastically on a, you know, on a, on a kind of a general scale is really important for injury prevention because it's those periods when you're really changing things that your body is more susceptible to injury. So, you know, the the building mileage phase is always a riskier phase than, you know, if you've already been at a certain mileage level for, you know, three, four or more weeks. Mm. So, you know, I'd say those are probably the big changes that I've made to my plan. Uh, and, you know, also just like I mentioned earlier, I'm just a lot more in tune with my body. You know, I don't actually wear a GPS watch. I'm probably in the minority with most, most runners these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just estimate my mileage. I kind of use a, uh, an estimated seven minutes per mile average. And if I go run for 70 minutes, I'll call that 10 miles. It could be a little bit more. It could be a little bit less. But, you know, I think at the end of the week, it all works out. And, you know, frankly, it doesn't really matter, you know, if I run 10.3 miles or 9.9 or, or whatever it is. But, you know, if I'm in the ballpark, that's really what matters. And what that allows me to do is really to run by feel. You know, I, I'm running by perceived effort rather than being a slave to my Garmin and kind of looking at it every every couple minutes and saying, oh, I, I'm running 706 pace and I want to be running seven minute pace. Hmm. You know, it's like, well, you need to listen to your body. And, you know, if you know, I'm tired, then I'm obviously going to run slower. And a really good example of that is I ran a 11 mile loop. Well, uh, of course, it's an estimated 11 mile loop, but I ran in 81 minutes yesterday. And today I ran it in 74 minutes. Same okay. exact loop. Okay. Yesterday I was tired and today I was feeling good. So I pushed the effort a little bit. And, um, you know, it's just a good example of if you're feeling really good, you can push the pace a little bit. If you're feeling bad, slow down and just enjoy the scenery. And that's something that I never did in the past. And I think, you know, I was I was pushing it when my body was really telling me to slow down. Well, that, you said some really interesting things there that for one, you, you, I'm surprised you don't use a, a GPS watch. How how do you capture or how do you train yourself to run at a 239 pace for the marathon without knowing your, your pacing uh, during your workouts? Do you ever go to the track and and track yourself or I mean I'm, I'm really curious as to how you get your pacing down <laughs> yeah I get, I get this question a lot and um, you know like I mentioned I ran track and cross country for eight years high school and college so you know we did I was on the track twice a week pretty much pretty almost every week for eight years and doing all kinds of workouts from tempo runs to you know mile paced intervals and even faster uh, and over those eight years you know I did develop a pretty good sense of pace so I am able to estimate how fast I'm going pretty well. Um, so I do have a kind of a good internal, um, you know, uh, pace watch in my, in my brain. But uh, I do spend a good amount of time on the track. You know, I, I like the track. Um, I like to say that the track doesn't lie. So, you know, the Garmin certainly lies. The Garmin is not 100% accurate. I have runners who say, oh, I finished this half marathon, but it was definitely long. It said it was 13.4 miles. Well, no, <laughs> no it wasn't. The, the race itself was 13.1 miles. These races are USATF certified races, and they are accurate. But it's the Garmins that aren't totally accurate. So, you know, I just don't trust them. And if I'm 
going to be doing some specific pace work where I really care um, exactly how fast I'm running, then I'll go on the track. Okay. And when I go on the track, I can run intervals within a second or two of each other. Um, and you know, you're able to look at the you're able to look at your watch every 200 meters and kind of gauge your effort based on that. Uh, and that's really helpful. But you know, if I'm just doing a 20 minute tempo run, or if I'm just doing a um, you know, a distance run like I did yesterday or, or today, then, you know, I just estimate it. And that, and that works good enough for me. But if I'm doing some specific intervals at 5K pace or 10K pace, then I'm definitely on the track you know, and I'm doing something a little bit more structured. Okay. Um, you know, one of the things I found on your website that I found interesting was that it sounds like you dabbled in the paleo diet. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you've learned from trying out the paleo diet and if you're still doing that? Yeah, I have experiments with the paleo diet, um, and, and I'm, a, I'm a proponent of the paleo diet. I think it works from a general health perspective. I, I think it's really helpful for uh, folks who want to shed some pounds. Um, you know, if you really cut back on your carb intake, you know, it can really help you lose some unwanted weight. Um, you know, from a running perspective, if I'm doing... If I'm not training for a race and, a, and I'm not doing higher volume or if I'm not doing some of the harder workouts, then I'll probably be more paleo. And in fact, I do have a lot of um, paleo meals because, you know, my wife actually eats primarily paleo. So, you know, dinner is is usually a paleo dinner, um, sometimes lunches as well. But, you know, these days I, I don't really eat paleo 100 percent of the time. Um, you know, I'll have, you know, I, I admittedly had two slices of pizza for breakfast today. So I'm not the greatest example of perfect diet. Um, but, you know, with that said, you know, I think runners can make the paleo diet work for them. Um, you know, you can make some adjustments to the paleo diet and make it work for you. You can make it your own. Um, you really have to see what works for you. If you're doing higher volume, if you're doing uh, long runs where you're going to be running for more than, say, 75 minutes to 90 minutes, um, if you're going to be running faster workouts where, you know, the intensity level is fairly high, then, you know, you need to modify the paleo diet and include some carbohydrates in there. Um, and, you know, it doesn't have to be processed food or, or anything like that. You know, sweet potatoes, uh, you know, a lot of fruits, things like that can be really helpful for runners who are conscious of their carb intake but still want to maximize their performance. Uh, and, and I'll definitely recommend the book, The Paleo Diet for Athletes. It gives a very well-rounded approach to uh, eating a primarily paleo diet, which is low carb, with the needs of, of an endurance athlete, which, you know, necessarily need uh, carbohydrates. It's the body's preferred fuel source. Mm -hmm. And so during that, were you doing trying out the paleo diet when you ran that 239 marathon or was this later? Uh, it was definitely... Let me think. I think it was before I did um, the 239 marathon. When I was running the 239 marathon, I was running, you know, 85 miles a week. I was doing three faster workouts a week, and it would just be impossible for me to, um, you know, not not eat a lot of carbs. And so I was eating a, a, a much more uh, traditional diet, a much more um, endurance-focused diet, which is uh, high in carbs. Okay. How about um, for people that you coach, Do you, have you ever had anyone try out the paleo diet during longer races, like marathons, and what kind of things would they eat on the course? Would you would you just say stick with the basics, the goose and the Gatorades, or is there anything that they need, need to do different? Well, I've never coached a runner who adhered to the paleo diet during a marathon. I have coached runners who uh, adhere mostly to the paleo diet during uh, training, 
And then when the training reaches the peak phases, that's when, you know, you have to modify it. You have to start including more carbohydrate to fuel for, you know, the 20 milers, uh, to fuel for those long marathon paced workouts. And you also need to include some carbohydrate after those workouts to restock your body's glycogen stores. So, you know, I've never, and I, and I would never recommend that a runner, you know, go through a marathon training cycle without eating, you know, some quality sources of carbohydrate because, you know, at a certain point, you need to understand that, uh, yeah, the paleo diet is helpful for weight loss. Um, I think it's um, it's a very healthy diet. And I think for most uh, people who aren't distance runners, you know, if they ate more paleo, they'd be better off. But the endurance lifestyle requires a higher carbohydrate intake because that's what your body wants to run on. You know, your body needs carbohydrate to run at a high level. And the faster you run, the more carbohydrate you're going to burn. And of course, fat burns in a carbohydrate fire. So, you know, you really need to make sure that you're adequately fueled and you're never going to maximize your performance if you're not eating any carbohydrate. The research just doesn't support it. Yeah, you know, I really like your approach, how it's very individualized and, um, you know, you're, you're talking about doing what works for you. I know we had Paul Jaminet on the show, who's very, a big proponent of paleo-like diets and he, he includes in his sort of paleo-style diet things like white potatoes even and white rice. I think some people tend to think in the paleo community that carbs are the devil, but that's not always the case. I think that for different people, maybe moderating the carbs a little bit, maybe you don't have to be, you know, 80% carbs 100% of the time. You know, for, for me, I found that slightly moderating the carbs has really helped with some stomach issues. So and, and helped me to get through some of those longer workouts. Yeah, absolutely. You know, every runner and you know, if, if certain sources of carbohydrate bother your stomach or if a lower carbohydrate diet uh, is easier on your digestive system, then absolutely do what works for you. Um, and, you know, you, you should experiment with fueling on a long run, fueling for those harder workouts and for the longer races as well. You know, every every runner is going to be different. We're all individuals. And, you know, at a certain point, you need to what fuels for you? I know some runners that fuel for their ultra marathons with dates, which are very, very sweet and, and high in carbohydrate. But I, I think that's a better, there's probably a better source of carbs than a lot of the prepackaged, um, you know, processed stuff that's more commercially available. So, you know, there, there's, there's good sources and there's bad sources of carbs. Um, I think during a marathon, you can give yourself a little bit more flexibility to have those bad sources. Um, you know, there's, there's some interesting research that I, I like to, I like to cite sometimes when I'm talking about marathon fueling. And that's, um, you know, at the London Marathon a few years ago, researchers polled um, hundreds of runners and they wanted to see how much carbohydrate that they had before the race. And uh, they wanted to know how much carbohydrate they had during the race as well. And it was it was an astonishingly low figure, like only 13% of runners were adequately fueled with carbs before the race. And those, but those that were fueled ran about 12% faster. And 12% is significant. That's significant faster. So, you know, you need to find what works for you, but you also need to understand that, um, you know, carbohydrate is what fuels the body. And if you're trying to run fast or chase some sort of goal time or Boston qualifying time, then, you know, you have to, you have, you do have the carb load before a marathon. It's, it's just one of those things that you got to do. Well, uh, Jason, it's been great talking with you today and you've given us uh, a lot of a lot of information, especially regarding injuries and diet. Where can we find out more about you? Well, my, my home base is my website, strengthrunning.com. Um, and, you know, I guess if, you, if you're on Twitter, you can follow me, JasonFitz1. That's my Twitter handle. Great. Well, Jason, thanks so much for being part of the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a blast.
You've been listening to another episode of Paleo Runner Podcast. For more information, go to paleorunner.org. Thanks for listening.